All right, I'm all prepped. The only thing I don't have is my fan, and I'm warm. I feel like I need okay. to go get my fan. Go get your but, fan. All right, I'll be right back. We got time. We got all night. I'm your biggest fan. I have, uh, I'm not cheating on you guys, but I have another podcast, and I just got the theme song to it, like literally before signing on, and I was like, oh, I want to listen to it, but I have not, so. Well, what is it uh, like three friends talking? Yeah, it's the Punch yeah. Down podcast where we just fucking are rude and make fun right. of each other. Right now, we're all going, am I in it? <laughs> am I not invited? Did I not get the email? Am I late to it? It's me and Steve and a guest, and that's it. And we do guess the guest, but we always know who it is. <laughs> all right, I'm all set. I got my fan. I got my lip gloss. Let me see your fan. Do it. Do it. We want to see it. Yep. Yes. Oh, yeah. Got my seltzer. Good. Got my tissues. Got my tumbler of wine. You're not telling a sad story, are you? Uh, no, but I have allergies. Oh, okay. And I live in a house with seven dogs and two cats. So, oh my God. How many dogs? Seven. Did you want one? Oh, how about a trio of bonded elderly chihuahuas? Is it, does that qualify as a pack? It's more like a motley crew in the Shakespearean sense, not in the band sense. But yeah. <laughs> Petra, how did you end up with seven dogs? I ended up with seven dogs because I used to work in a veterinary hospital and worked for, volunteered with a couple of rescues. And when people find out, that you are a person who will adopt elderly dogs that are on the verge of death. They foist them upon you and wow. you do not say no. That's how. Some of them I found running down the street. Most of them, I was told, oh, please take this because they're going to die tomorrow. And they never do. They never do. They last years. Yeah. They get comfortable and confident and blossom. Yep. They certainly do. I know. So that's how. Jesse, you've done that with a cat. You found two cats. Actually, in my life, I've found four cats. Amateur. I, I didn't. I don't want cats. I don't. I don't want. Yeah. I want zero cats. What do you want? You don't even want dogs. You just no, want. No, I do. I do. I want dogs. You do. Let me listen. We'll talk because I got a plethora. I I have a fifteen and a half year old dog. So, talk to me. In a while, <laughs> five years, hopefully, she, maybe she six. Can't, she can't hear us, but yeah, it, I old dogs are my favorite dogs. That's mainly what I have is very elderly dogs. Jesse, is your dog deaf, or she can't hear us because she's like listening to metal right now, or she's in the car somewhere? I don't know. Um, <laughs> she, uh, I haven't seen her for a few days. She's very, she's uh, deaf. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sign language for a dog. Sign language is always awesome well, on the podcast. She, she um she refuses to learn sign language. So one of my dogs has some sign commands, but only one. And the really the only ones he pays pays attention to are give me your paw, sit, and give me a kiss. Yeah, I trained her because they tell you to use hand signals. Mm -hmm. So I she knows the same old ones that we've been doing. But sometimes she pretends to be blind and can't see those. So <laughs> We did that with our daughter, too, because they tell you to do that with infants. And yeah. uh, then you forget them once they start to speak. So when your dog started to speak, Jesse, did you just forget all the signs? When she started to speak Mandarin, I knew I was in trouble. So. <laughs> hey, this is Steve with the Punch-Up Podcast. With me on this episode are Jesse Preisendorfer. Hey, Steve. Kevin Reagan. Hello, Stephen. Ian O'Shea. Hey, Steve. 
and our storyteller is Petra DeLuca. Hello, Petra. Hello, 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 everybody. Thanks for being here. Why don't you tell us the story? Okay, so I am not originally from the United States. I was born and raised in Europe. I lived there until I was 23 years old. I was born in Germany, and when I was an infant, uh, my parents moved to Italy, so they took me with them, which I think they thought was a good idea at the time. But somewhere in my mid-20s, I decided I was going to come to the United States because America and the streets are paved with cheese. So here's my story. About cheese. (laughs) (laughs) Is the day I moved to the United States. Oh, nice. Can I say this really quickly? At dinner tonight, my daughter was talking about you and she said, because Petra, she's Italian. (laughs) That's my six-year-old. She's racist, Kevin. That's terrible. Well, I mean, to know Petra. <laughs> Petra, you were you were born in Germany. I was born in Germany. I was born in Lanschel, Germany, and I was raised in a town called Kyrenia, which is right outside of Pisa in Tuscany. Where are your parents from? Uh, West Philadelphia. <laughs> oh, yeah. but no, my grandparents emigrated to the United States, uh, had my parents. My parents met, got married, and moved overseas. So my sister and I Uh, My parents are the only people in our entire family line who were born in the United States. Everybody else was born in Europe. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So how many languages? How many languages do I speak? Yeah. No. How many languages are there? Yeah. I'm writing seven, (laughs) (laughs) including the language that Jesse uses to talk to her dog. Yeah. So uh, I speak four languages, some more fluently than others. English is still on the, I'm still on the fence about that one. (laughs) So when I was 23, I was engaged to a guy named David, who I'm no longer engaged to him, but he is now my best friend and he and his husband live in Hong Kong. Isn't he a, a sculpture in Italy? He is. He was a slightly shorter than oh. the, the sculpture itself. Well, you know, marble puts on a couple of inches. It really does. Yeah. Um, so what happened was he had moved to Italy. We wanted to go to Curse Institute of Music because I had dreams of studying opera there because I'd gone to music conservatory when I was in Italy. And I thought that I was going to step off a plane and the world was going to welcome me. Coming to the United States? Coming to America, yes. Ooh, nice. Were, were you, were you Hold on, Ian, you? give it a second. I might have Neil Diamond playing here. Let's just <laughs> ask in it. Let's, let's. Now. Did you come with a, like an invitation to audition or try singing somewhere in America? Or did you just come, you love to sing and you're like... They're, they're ready for me. No, it was, it was they're ready for me. Yeah. And um, much to the chagrin of my then fiance, David, we moved in with his parents in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Um, his parents did not like me. They did not approve of me. I was very, 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 very goth. Like if you take the highest definition of goth that you have in your mind multiply it by a thousand that might have come close and my level of pretentiousness was off the charts and i imagine you had opera music playing like as a soundtrack everywhere you went well you laugh but i tried really hard this was you know in the in the 90s and i really wanted to figure out a way to rig up like the winter cape that i wore to play mozart's requiem as i walked down the street (laughs) i never could figure it out though Maybe David's husband figured that out. He might. He's a pretty handy guy. Um, but I don't think it's really David's jam anymore. He's more of a Patty Lupone kind of guy these days. So uh, I decide on my outfit that I'm going to wear in the airplane. And I leave the Pisa airport dressed in a black lace leotard and black fishnets and black 
very high platform lace-up boots and gloves and you know those shower curtains that had the valances on the top like the balloon valance at the top so i had one of those that was black and i wore it as a skirt with an ersatz um bustle and i had a hat with a fascinator and i had my cigarette holder because you could still smoke on the planes back then and i smoked on the plane back then (laughs) and had all my earthly belongings were you wearing most of them no (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I was a little bit of a sight to see. Do you think you stood out more in Virginia Beach or in Italy? I think what happened, because when I stepped off the airplane in Virginia Beach, wearing my fabulous outfit and got to the luggage carousel and realized they had lost all my luggage, I think I stuck out at the Walmart that I had to go to (laughs) to buy clothes (laughs) because I had literally nothing to wear. I did not have a toothbrush. I had never been to a Walmart. Mm. I was very much taken aback at just the A, sheer size of it. And Virginia, I had had been to Philadelphia a couple of times because my grandparents lived here. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you, Pedro. You'd been to the U.S. That wasn't your first... Yeah. yeah. In fact, my parents at one point in 1987, they decided that my sister and I should go to Upper Derby High School for, I don't know if they thought a year or a semester or half a year or whatever. And we were home before Thanksgiving <laughs> to say I had culture shock. And I was so overwhelmed because um, Upper Derby High School had like 3000 or so, I don't a, a million students. Right. And I graduated in a class of 17. So it was a whole different, it was a whole different thing. So I got to Virginia Beach, I got off. I posed at the top of the the walkway down the airplane, thinking, "Here it comes, the silent applause." The Drink welcome. me in. Here I am, America. You're welcome. Was David on the flight with you, or he was picking? Yeah, you up? no, he was. He was on the flight with me. I know David. David went first and was also like, "Here I am, America." Yeah. What he probably did was descend the stairs in front of me so I could make an entrance because. That, I mean, look, my house has pocket doors in it. And part of the reason I bought that this house was so I could go, hello, every time I walk into the living room. Although the pocket doors stick. And once again, I, you know, I feel like there's a lesson to be learned here. There's something hubris. Now that I wonder what there. it is. I don't know. I don't know. I'll, I'll get to it eventually. All right. So you're, but you're engaged at this point, right? I'm engaged to David. And you had not met his parents this is the first time. No, I him. had. They had come to oh. Italy to visit and. Good. So you were well aware of the fact that they didn't care for you. <laughs> <laughs> I knew very well. And, but no, I was no. so, I was so desperate to come here because I really wanted to be here. It's very hard to explain to people how Europeans, especially young, dumb, 20 something Europeans view America. And I say, I mean, I was, I, I'm an American citizen. I've been an American citizen my whole life. Nobody but, but yeah. just letting you know, I'll get my passport. But uh, like the, I would walk down the street here in Upper Derby and be like, I'm in America. This is the most amazing thing in the world. The store, you can buy ham at four o'clock in the morning. This is the most amazing thing to me because in Italy, everything shuts down and then everybody eats at eight o'clock and, you know. So his parents had come to Italy. His mother had been a nun and um, met his father who was in the Marines and then they had five kids so none thing didn't take <laughs> exactly she uh she abandoned her 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 nonosity in favor of motherhood but she was also the director of religious education at the church in virginia beach and it was expected of me and i was catholic at the time so it wasn't that big of a deal to sing in a choir at the church 
but she absolutely, I, parts of my head shaved. I used to wear stars in my hair and just studs. Of, oh, there was a lot, there was a lot going on. Work. Yeah. But your first American gig. My first American gig, um, I only lasted in Virginia Beach one semester. I went to Old Dominion to finish my degree. And uh, I worked in their art department for a while, but I moved to Upper Darby to take care of my grandma. And my, my first gig was uh, at Boscov's. Oh, yeah. In the handbag department. Oh, I thought you meant stinging. Oh. No, no, no. I worked in the handbag department. I worked at a gas station. I drove a cab. That was the worst job I've ever had. In Delaware County, you drove a cab? Sure did. There is a place oh, off wow. a long lane that's sort of hidden. There's that little abandoned cemetery back there and underneath an overpass is a little taxi dispatch place where wow. I drove for 12 hours a day. And wow. when I finally realized that I was making on average $2 an hour and they were sending me on all the drug runs, I was like, well, I don't know that this is the job for me. I don't feel like a career path <laughs> happening. <laughs> so uh, never went to Curtis, never went to the um, Academy of Music, which my second choice, which I was like, oh, if I must audition for the Academy <laughs> of Music, I suppose. Were you singing anywhere else? Were you like other than church? Were you in a band or anything like that? I was in a band before I left Italy, but no, I was just singing at home, you know, and I, I studied it still in at Old Dominion. My plan was I had an audition lined up at Curtis, but then I had a panic attack and I never went. And then somewhere in my mid thirties, maybe early thirties, I got serious about music again. And I started taking vocal lessons to prepare for an audition at either Curtis or the Academy of Music, only to find out that the cutoff age for Curtis is 28. Oh. And, the, <laughs> and for the Academy of Music was I think 32. And that's what happened to my career in opera. No, oh, man. I had none, but I ended up singing for, uh, I did a lot of Gilbert and Sullivan operettas and I sing in a band. Now I sing in an eighties wave cover band, which is the oldest thing I've ever said. <laughs> <laughs> you and David Oh, we did. Song, I forgot right? all about that. Yeah. We had a song that was a big hit um, on the radio in on, on the Europe techno charts um, nice. that we didn't perform on, but we wrote, it's the dumbest song ever written. I will tell you what it is because I feel like it's important is that it? people hear. <laughs> oh yeah, it was called "All I Need Is Love." The band was called. No, all I need is love. All I need is, and the lyrics were so Moon June Spoony, because we got yelled at by the Italian producer for writing actual thoughtful lyrics. No, it's techno. Rhyme, good beat. I, I suddenly I'm Borat. I cannot do an Italian accent. <laughs> um. So yeah, we ended up hitting the Italian techno charts. Whew. Paid for the house though, didn't it? Yeah. No, we never yeah. got a dime. I think I got paid in wine, which is a pretty good currency in Italy, I'll be honest. <laughs> Back in my goth days though, I did have a band that I, this is the most, it's so fucking pretentious. I would take old bits of scripture and poetry by James Joyce and by Percy Bissy Shelley, and I would set it to this very dreary funereal gothy music. And I started a project, and I called it Nadezhda, which means hope in Russian. Is that one of the languages, Russian? It is not. <laughs> I can say one word in Russian, and that is Nadezhda. <laughs> I did end up in what's called the Goth Bible, which was, if you're in the know, quite the publication. 
I don't know if y'all can see me rolling my eyes, but I can hear them in my own head. I'm not familiar with it. <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> that's that's how pretty much most of my my everything was. But that's so fun. That's so cool. Mm, it's something. So yeah, then I worked in a veterinary hospital for a long time and people threw animals at me and now I have a bunch of them. Do you still sing opera now? I do mostly to annoy my husband and to get the dog howling. <laughs> But uh, I moved on to operetta, which is opera, but with people laughing at you on purpose instead of accidentally. <laughs> um, I can see you doing Nellie Lovett. I can easily see you doing Sondheim. Oh, I love, well, Sondheim. Good Lord, I love Sondheim. Oh, I was in a show. Oh, I was on Broadway. Oh. That's true. What? I, I was, I, if it's hold on. Show, I was hold part on. of that. Yes. And Kevin was. That's how I met Kevin. Was you met Kevin um, on Broadway? Kevin was on Broadway. Well, Kevin's work was on Broadway. His his. Somebody's uh, gonna sweep the floor. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um. The aforementioned David, who after we broke up, I, I'm sure you guys have guessed, came out of the closet. Um. And then we didn't talk for a long time, and we're now <laughs> very close friends. He's my best friend, in fact. But there's a show called Hedwig and the Angry Inch that. Um, he had the movie had just come out but he had seen the off-broadway play a long long time ago and in the early 2000s he he said i want to produce this in philadelphia and he checked and the rights were available so we did it at the painted bright theater in philadelphia and um then it got picked up at city theater in wilmington and this is where kevin comes in um i saw it julie and i went and saw it at the painted bride yeah nothing to do with but it. we didn't we hadn't known each other at that time but part of hedwig and the angry inch is there's a whole multimedia display thing that's happening on a ton of like tvs and screens on the stage at the same time as the actors in the band and that's not the way it was at the painted bride though you guys didn't have extra tvs right i thought that yeah, was we did Oh, no, did? we did. Yeah. And we had the original, the, the artwork from the original um, production. Right. And if whoever is out there yeah. created that and is listening, it was <laughs> wonderful. But if you're not listening, I'll tell you the truth. It sucked. Did you have little like 12 inch, tiny, tiny little TVs? Is that what you guys used? No, we had, we bugged everybody we knew for, you know, their regular Zenith. Tube TVs, yep. I still have like three or four of them in the basement because there's nothing you can do with them. There's nothing. So Kevin and Joel did the multimedia and actually Dooley did some of it as well. And um, we got asked to perform on Broadway doing it for Broadway Cares, Equity Fights AIDS, which we did, I want to say six or seven years. Wow. Which was awesome. Wow. It was really like talk about... I don't think I can never, anything I will ever do will top being able to perform oh, no. on for, yeah. Like that was just, that was incredible. So yeah, that was no more opera, some musical theater. And this thing called Broadway. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I will tell you this. I had never seen a cul-de-sac before. No, not a cul-de-sac. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, oh, a development, a housing development. So where we lived in Virginia beach, where David's parents lived in the saddest house in the world, because also they hated each other, his parents, and his father was an alcoholic and he didn't talk to anybody and his mother hated me and she would put half the amount of the required amount of coffee in the coffee maker and I had to sneak in my jar of Folgers crystals to keep my coffee from being see-through. Anyway, I'd never seen a housing development because they don't have those in Italy. Right. The first day we got there after the ensemble fiasco, 
David's friends were having a little welcome home barbecue. And they're, oh, let's, you know, go for a walk around the neighborhood. And we were walking and walking and walking. And I did not see a store. And I was really confused. I think we were going to go buy beer or something like that. And I was like, well, can we walk to the store? And they're like, oh, no, you can't walk to the store. You got to get in the car and drive to the store. And I was like, well, how, how far is a store? Oh, no, you got to leave the development. And I was like, what do you mean? Oh, well, this, all this, it's just, it's like 200 homes. With one one road in. Here. Yeah, pretty much one road in and I was trapped. I had no driver's, no American driver's license, no way to get anywhere. Um, uh, and David's father's in recovery now and he and I get along very, very well. And his mother has since died. Was his mother, what was, if she was a, I'm a sort of priest, if she was a nun mm-hmm. and then she left the uh, cloister or whatever it's called, how was she when David came out? She was, she was at the end of her life, but she was like, pretty much she said, son, I knew. Oh, okay. um, I think she I didn't know. If, I didn't know if at that point they were like, you can bring Pedro yeah, back. Like, right. it's, we're fine. We like her no, now. No, no. Nope. I was wondering if the, if mom didn't like you so much because she knew in her heart of hearts that her son was gay. I think you have a valid point because I've often suspected that myself, but I never asked David, although I should. Yeah, I mean, it was a, uh, you know, misdirected uh, frustration or, or whatever, but but I, I was I, I, I was wondering because parents always know. Plus, she was a nun. She was a nun. So if she spent any time at all in the nunnery, then she saw a lot of gay stuff. Right. I imagine. <laughs> it, I mean. <laughs> I like that you didn't grow up here, but you were always a dumb American. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help it. I live in Upper Darby. Yeah, right. <laughs> Oh, I left behind a cat oh, here at seat. Remember how I said I was really pretentious? I'm not saying I'm not now. I just was really, really pretentious then. I had a cat. I named her Caiaphas Polixena. Caiaphas after the um, the high king who sat on the court who had the, the, the crucifying Jesus. I don't remember because I'm not Catholic anymore. And then Polixena. Jesus this, Christ superstar. Right. If you know right. the well, it happens. And then Polyxena, who was the daughter of Agamemnon and the sister, the half-sister of Cassandra, who in Greek mythology was the one who was cursed to like, you know, see in the future. Nobody believed her and everybody thought she was crazy. So I was like, oh, what, what could be more pretentious than throwing these two names together? So I had this wonky orange cat that had a half-functioning face that I left in Italy. And then my mother got uh, sick of taking care of her, so she shipped her over to me. And I got that cat when I was 19, and she died when I was 44. Whoa! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. She lasted a very long time. It's very ornery. How's that for pretentious? Yeah. Know. She was like, fuck you, I ain't dying. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Um, but in Italian, because she was an Italian cat. Yeah. And that would sound like what, Jesse? Oh, I'd, I don't know. You have to ask the dog. <laughs> How do you say "fuck you"? I'm not dying in Italian. Uh, f- by, uh, by non, io non vado a morire. That's what I thought. That, that translates. I checked it out. 